Meadowbrook Baptist Church this Sunday, April the 19th. We're glad you're here to worship with us, and we would ask you to join us as we sing Grace Greater Than Our Sin, hymn 329. We welcome you uh, to our service today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us and for the opportunity to gather in your house today. And we thank you for, the, for your blessings and goodness and mercy to us. Uh, we continue to pray for our country and those that lead us, that you would give them wisdom and guidance in the decisions that they now make that affect each of us each day. Uh, we pray, Father, for those who are suffering from the virus, who have contracted it, Lord, and, are, are, and, and, and need your touch and your healing in their life, and for their families. We pray for those, Lord, who, uh, who are out of work, at, that need uh, uh, help in so many ways, and we pray, Father, that you would move in those situations and supply the needs that... Uh, are that are there and father we 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 come to you today um, uh, and we pray for uh, the the the, uh, uh, the lostness of the world in which we live and uh, we just pray father that uh, that they would come to know Christ as their savior and, and their lord uh, we thank you father that we can still even in these times know that you're present that you love us that you care for us and you provide us. We pray that today this service would honor you and please you in all that we say and do. For it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. In assault. We've had Carson visit with us several times. And we look always look forward to his uh, 
ministry in Saul. So, um, <clears throat> I'm singing in Castellan from Christina Grooming, um, and this goes to Pam Petrie. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid gr ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand, yes, yes. There in the ground, his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since Christ has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ, yes, no, no guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand Till he returns or calls me home Here in the power of Christ Thank you, Carson. I know you. Uh, I know you appreciated that. Uh, I know you appreciated that song from Carson today, and we appreciate him coming and sharing uh, this morning. And we appreciate you being here uh, and being a part of the service today. 
This morning I want to talk to you about something that I'm sure all of us want an answer to and how to deal with life when it gets difficult. Several years ago I read a story about the late great Burt Reynolds and Reynolds recalled the day many years ago when both he and Clint Eastwood got fired from Universal Studios. According to Bert, the studio told him that he couldn't act and they told Eastwood that he walked too slow and his Adam's apple was too big. And so they fired both of them. As they were walking to their cars after being fired, both men were quiet. And as Bert tells the story, he said, Eastwood's always quiet, but he was really quiet this day. And said, and finally, Burt Reynolds broke the silence and said to Eastwood, You're in trouble, Clint. I can take acting lessons, but you can't get a new Adam's apple. And so, uh, so the story of the difficulties of these two movie icons as we know them today. But all of us, we don't have to be high profile movie stars like Bert and Clint. All of us face problems. All of us have to deal with difficulties. We all have storms and frustrations. They come in all shapes and sizes in all of our lives. These difficulties sometimes are physical. Um, for instance, they come in the form of headaches and sinuses and any itis, bursitis, arthritis, you, you can name them. They certainly come in the form of viruses as we've learned in the last few months. At other times, these difficulties can be emotional. They result in anxiety stress, worry, and depression. And still other times, they may be people problems. You having, you're having difficulty with a boss or a supervisor or a family me, uh, member, maybe even your pastor or another church member. You're having difficulties with them. And it seems no matter how hard that we try, we have to deal with these difficulties. We can't control them, we can't change them, we can't get rid of them, we can't remove them, and we're doomed to have to handle them on a daily basis. Now how do we do that? What do we do in these situations? So this morning, I want you to think with me when life gets difficult. And I want us to turn this morning uh, to a great passage found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me, given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, 
I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we read our text, we find that the Apostle Paul had an irritating, frustrating problem. He identifies it in our text as a thorn in my flesh in verse 7. The Greek word that's used here actually means a stake, a stake in my flesh. Likely he, it was a physical problem, some uh, physical affirmity, we believe, is what Paul is talking about. Some say that he had malaria. Others think that he suffered from severe headaches. Still others felt like Paul was talking about his poor eyesight. And still others think that Paul may have had a speech impediment. But Paul felt like this infirmity took away his ability to function successfully. He thought it hindered him and it hurt his ministry and kept him from being all that he could be for the Lord Jesus Christ. And to make matters even more difficult, this infirmity, Paul said, was painful to the great apostle. Paul also said in verse 7 that this stake in the flesh, this thorn in the flesh, had a messenger of Satan who irritated it. In other words, there was no let up in Paul's life. It was like a splinter that you get in your hand sometime. He couldn't ignore it. it was all, he was always hitting it, rubbing it, rubbing it. And this messenger of Satan kept it stirred up and kept the pain coming to the Apostle Paul. So I want you to understand, here was a great man. Here was a great Christian. He'd seen things that nobody else was allowed to see. God had been, God had been, had blessed Paul in a great way. And yet God allowed him to have this thorn in his flesh. Not because that he was outside of the will of God, but because he was in the will of God. So what do you do in that situation? How do you respond when things seem unfair and you're hurting every day? Do you throw in the towel? Do you pitch a fit? Do you get angry? Do you let the rage loose in your life? When life is difficult and you're getting stuck with a thorn, what would be your response? I want us to notice this morning three things that Paul did in his difficulty that we ought to do in our difficulties. Three things. Number one is this. Let difficulties drive you to God in prayer. Let difficulties drive you to God in prayer. Now Paul didn't like the thorn in the flesh. He didn't like the satanic messenger 
that buffeted the thorn and made it torment him. He didn't like any of this. And he wanted to get rid of it. This thorn haunted him. It hindered him. It hurt him. So on three separate occasions, Paul did what every believer should know to do, and that is that he took this need to God in prayer. He made his thorn in the flesh the object of prayer. He made his thorn in the flesh the object of prayer, and I believe that Paul prayed about this situation. He prayed dramatically. He prayed correctly. He prayed confidently. He prayed passionately, persistently. He prayed sincerely, particularly. He prayed specifically. He prayed with all of his heart. And he came boldly to the throne of grace in the name of Jesus. So what a truth for us to hold on to today. In times of difficulty, let it drive you to God in prayer. Not as a last resort, but as a first response. What a privilege we have as believers in the dark and painful episodes of life that we have somewhere to go and we have someone to go to in our times of difficulty. Now this don't mean that this is the only time that we should pray, but it does bring out a point about a great, wonderful hymn that we've sang in the church for many years that says these words, what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. During the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln once said this. He said, I, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. And I'm sure many times in our life and in your life you felt the same way. That what people tell you and what you know within yourself is insufficient to handle the need of that day. That's why we need to go to God in prayer. As believers, we have access to the Father. In the Old Testament, only the priest was granted this privilege. But in Jesus, our great high priest, the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And I quote Hebrews 4, 16, So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The difficulties of life ought to drive us to our Heavenly Father. Now you say, wait a minute here, preacher. Paul did everything right, but he didn't get what he asked for. When it was all said and done, he still had the thorn in the flesh. He still had the messenger of Satan rubbing the thorn, irritating the thorn. And I would say to you, you're right. You're very observant. But know this, God is a sovereign God. That means He rules.
He decides. He has absolute control. Everything that happens, He causes or allows. And as sovereign, He exercises His prerogative to do as He pleases. And He really owes no one an explanation. Also, as sovereign, that means that He will not be forced or leveraged to do anything that's outside His will. What I'm saying is this. You'll never get God in a situation that He has to do what you want Him to do. All prayers are answered. Some are answered yes. Some are answered no. And others are answered wait. Your prayers may be answered differently from what you expect even. Now Paul, as we read this passage, learned why his requests were refused. In verse 7 he said, God never removed the thorn in the flesh. And I quote, because he wanted to keep Paul from becoming conceited from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations that God had given Paul. Paul felt, or God felt, that Paul would stay humble by having to deal with this thorn. But you, but you my friend, may not ever find out why God answered your prayer with a no. But if you do find out, it's likely to be revealed to you in prayer. But in times of difficulty, uh, first of all, let those difficulties drive you to God in prayer. This leads us to a second truth. When life gets difficult, not only should we let it drive us to God in prayer, but secondly, let difficulties direct you to God's grace. Direct you to God's grace. Look in verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now God's answer to Paul's prayer was this. My grace is sufficient. I, I'm not going to remove this, the thorn in the flesh, but my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. Have you ever asked yourself, what is grace? Some people say it's God's inexhaustible supply of goodness. Or God's undeserved favor. Or God's love toward us. Some have offered the acrostic. God's riches at Christ's expense. Still others say grace is God's provisions for every need when you need it. Though we don't deserve it, it's the unmerited favor of God. All, all of these are good answers to that question. And Paul asked God in prayer for the removal of the thorn in the flesh. God assured him, or God answered him with a no and then the Lord told him, I'll not remove the thorn in the flesh, but here's what I will do. 
I will give you all my resources to support you and hold you up while you deal with the thorn in the flesh. God promised Paul that his grace would be enough for that. The Lord told Paul several things in this statement. First of all, he said his grace is personal. Look what he said. It's my grace is sufficient, notice, for you. Can't get no personal than that. My grace, and it's going to be for you. That's personal. But not only was it personal, he said his grace was present. He said, my grace is sufficient. He didn't say that maybe it's sufficient. He didn't say, I hope it will be sufficient. He didn't say, I believe in time it will be sufficient. He didn't even say, perhaps it will be sufficient. God told Paul, my grace is sufficient. So it's present. It is not only personal and present, but notice His grace is plentiful. It's sufficient. It's ample. It's complete. It's, it's enough. It's adequate. What God is saying Take it. Draw on my grace. Depend on my grace. Enjoy my grace. Lean on my grace. Experience my grace. There is no diminishing supplies to my grace. It's not like it's been the last few weeks around here. God's grace is not like that. When you've had trouble finding ground beef because of this virus. When you've had trouble finding toilet paper or paper towels in the midst of this COVID-19. Those are diminishing supplies. God said to Paul, my grace doesn't have diminishing supplies. It's plentiful. It's adequate. It's sufficient. What he's saying is there are no circumstances that can take my grace away. He will always be able to give you what you need regardless of the situation. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, Paul testified of this truth when he shared these words, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God's grace is sufficient. There will never be a time that God doesn't have grace for us. He's not ever going to run out. That's what he's saying. There's no such thing as insufficient grace. His grace is always sufficient. And yet, here's the thing. It takes problems and difficulties and thorns and frustrations to direct us to God's marvelous, majestic grace. Many times, trials and troubles and difficulties are the things that force us to know how much we need the Lord and how much we need His grace. At the turn of the 20th century, there was a young man named Clarence. One day Clarence took his girlfriend on a summer outing. They brought a 
picnic lunch. They rode out to a picturesque island in the middle of a small lake. She wore a long dress. He wore a fine suit. After rowing out to the island, Clarence dragged the boat to shore and spread their picnic beneath a shade tree. He was so hypnotized by the beauty of of his date that he hardly recognized that the sun was hot and sweat was rolling down his face. So they were eating their lunch and softly she whispered to Clarence, Clarence, you forgot the ice cream. Clarence pulled the boat out from the side of the shore, put it back in the water, rowed to shore, found a grocery store nearby, bought some ice cream, and then rowed back to the island. She batted those long eyelashes over those deep blue eyes and said to him, Clarence, you forgot the chocolate syrup. Clarence again got the boat out, rowed back to the shore, returned to the store, bought the chocolate syrup, and headed back to the island. Love will make you do some strange things sometimes, won't it? And as he rode back to the island, he suddenly stopped. He sat there in the boat, really for the rest of the afternoon. Now, I don't know what happened to his date, but he sat there the rest of the afternoon fascinated by an idea. And by the end of that afternoon, Clarence Evinrude had invented and worked out in his head something that makes every modern-day fisherman thrilled beyond measure. And that was he invented the outboard motor and how it would work. And just think, it all came about to please a date that kept him crisscrossing the lake to the grocery store. It took problems and difficulties to lead to this great idea. And so it is with us. The difficulties we have to deal with often force us, even direct us to God's grace. His grace then enables us to deal with the problems and the perplexities that life brings to us and allows us to make it through them and even triumph over them. His grace is not a disappearing cream that one can rub on your problems and they go away. But the problems bring us to grace where we do find all the resources that we need to deal with the difficulties of life in a way that honors Him and magnifies our Lord. So, when life gets difficulty, let those difficulties, first of all, drive you to God in prayer. Secondly, let those difficulties direct you to God's grace. And thirdly and lastly, let those difficulties help you discover God's great strength.
these difficulties can help you discover God's great strength. Now the Lord told Paul after he had, had pleaded with him three times, basically the Lord told him this, Paul, you still have your thorn because those that are strong and vigorous feel that they don't need me, that they don't need anyone, but they don't need me either. But the feeble, the weak, those that can't make it on their own, they better appreciate and recognize the strength that I will give them. My power is made perfect in their weakness. And this is what Paul, this is what God told Paul. Uh, I could take the thorn away. But in taking it away, you would not realize the perfection of my power on your life. Now, God not only wanted to display His grace to Paul, but He wanted Paul to discover His power. Since God's power is perfected in weakness, it was necessary for Paul to experience what we call the fires of affliction and difficulty. These fires of affliction and difficulty, they burn away the pride and the self-confidence that we have in our life. And when Paul reached the point that he didn't have any answers, that he didn't have any confidence, that he didn't have any strength, and there was nowhere else for him to turn but to God, then the power of God could flow freely in his life no one in the kingdom of God is too weak to experience God's power when Paul realized this I want you to notice how his attitude changed even in this passage because look what he said when he said my when he said my grace is sufficient for you in verse 9 my power is made perfect in weakness look at this word here therefore you know what that is? That's a connector. You know what it means? It means, as I've always told you, every time you find therefore, find out what it's there for. And what it's telling us is this. In view of what I just said, or in light of this profound insight that I've just gained, and what was the profound insight? The profound insight was this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's the insight that Paul would learn. And when he learned this, he learned that, he learned that in the weakness, in the weak time of his life, that's when Christ's power came to rest on him. And look what he says. Therefore I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Now, again, a very interesting word here, the word rest. In the Greek, it actually has the picture of a tent. And it has the idea of spreading a tent over somebody. In other words, Paul's saying, when I am weak, when I am dependent, 
When I can't make it without God's help, He spreads a tent over me, and I am covered in His power. He dwells in me and on me and around me, and I am saturated in His mighty power. Paul continues in verse 10, and I believe he had new insight, a new perspective concerning his thorn. He said, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul still had the thorn. His circumstances had not changed But now he is embracing the thorn and other difficulties because he realized this was the means by which God's power was released on him. In plain language, Paul said this, I'd rather have the thorn and be covered in his power than to not have the thorn and be trouble free living on my own I'd rather have the thorn and be covered in his power than be living on my own now let me ask you in closing what's it going to take for you to get where Paul was in this passage we serve an awesome God he has the power to raise you above your problems and to give you exactly what you need at the exact point that you need it. When most people would quit, He enables you to pull it off. To plow through the circumstances. Our God is able. You know what our problem is as believers today? When trouble shows up, when difficulties come, we demand release. We want removal of the difficulty. We insist on our own way. And if that doesn't come about, we give up, we shut down, and as a result, we're never really introduced to the real power of an awesome God. We never really discover God's strength in our life. So what's it going to do... So what are you going to do when life gets difficult? Will you pamper yourself? Will you use every little ache or pain as an excuse not to be involved in opportunities to serve God or to serve in the church? Will you let your problems and your trials and your perplexities put you down and keep you down? Is that how you're going to respond when life gets difficult? Or... Will you, like Paul, allow the difficulties to drive you to God in prayer, direct you to God's marvelous grace, and help you discover God's great strength? Paul did not permit his thorn in the flesh to become a stumbling block. In fact, he let God turn that thorn into a stepping stone. My prayer is that all of us as believers uh, would do the same. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your grace, your power, 
and the opportunity to come to you with our needs. And we praise you for being who you are. Father, if there's one out today who's listening to this at the sound of my voice that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, then I pray, Father, that they would pray this very short but simple prayer. And I know you will hear it. It's the prayer of the sinner. If they're in need of Jesus and never accepted Christ, I pray that they would pray this prayer. Father, I am a sinner. I deserve to spend eternity separated from you. But I believe Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for me, and on the third day he rose again, and he's coming back one day. And I open my heart to him and promise to follow him the rest of my life. And I thank you, Lord, for saving me. If you'll pray that prayer, mean it in your heart, God will, will save you. Or maybe you're walking at a guilty and unsafe distance from the Lord. You've strayed away. Then the Bible says if you'll confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I hope that you will make that prayer to Him today and that you would get back on the road to obedience and service. Father, we place all of these decisions in the hands of those who've heard because once we've heard, we have responsibility. And Father, we know that you're ready to love them and bestow your grace upon them. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. If you've come to know Christ as your personal Savior as a result of this message or this time together, I hope you'll let us know. We'd like to send you some information that will help you on your journey as a new believer. So have a great week. Uh, be safe. May God bless you. And thanks again for worshiping with us at Meadowbrook.